matters to you? What's important? What's of great value? Your family, whom you love and who loves you back? Your friends who support you on every side? Your job, your career that leaves you feeling fulfilled? Your freedoms? Your health? Your wealth? Your faith? The ability to say and think and do what you want without fear of reprisal? What do you really care about? And how much is it worth? If you try to put a price tag on those inestimable items, those values, how much would they be worth? How much income would you give up to have that job you've always dreamed of having? How much would you pay to stay healthy or to have a cure for that incurable disease that has found you or someone you love dearly? How much would you pay for one more year with that person you love but whom you've lost? Or even for just another day, how much? In this gospel lesson, Mary shows us that the incomparable love she has for Jesus is worth, if you had to put a price tag on it, at least $25,000. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, and he stops in Bethany to see his friend Lazarus and his sisters, Lazarus, the man whom Jesus had raised from the dead. His friends throw a dinner party for him. They're all gathered at the table. Martha is serving. Lazarus is there with him, and Mary comes up and bows down at his feet and opens this jar of costly perfume, anointing Jesus' feet with it and wiping his feet with her hair. The rich and musky fragrance fills the room, and with it comes resentment. Why wasn't this perfume sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? Judas asks. A denarius was a day's wage for an ordinary laborer, and 300 denarii would be about a year's worth of income. And here in Arkansas, where the minimum wage is $9.25, good luck living on that. That means 300 denarii, a year's worth of work, is about $25,000. So this thing that Mary does, this gesture is lavish. It's a sign of real love and complete devotion. Why would she do such a thing? If the gospel writer didn't tell us in the editorial remarks that Judas wasn't asking because he cared about the poor, but because he used to steal the money that was put into the purse, we might ask Jesus the same question. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the $25,000 used to feed those who are hungry or to provide shelter for those that don't have it? Why? Mary saw something in Jesus that Judas and the other disciples couldn't see. But what was it? What did she know about this rabbi that no one else seemed to know? Well, for starters, she knew the cost of losing someone you love. 
In the chapter before this, in John chapter 11, Jesus also comes to Bethany, but this time he comes because Lazarus is sick. And before Jesus can get there, Lazarus dies. After he arrives, word reaches Mary in her house that the teacher is looking for her, and so she gets up to search for Jesus. The house had been filled with mourners, and they followed her, thinking she was going to weep at the tomb. And those mourners saw what she saw and what her sister saw, what the disciples saw. They watched with amazement as Jesus ordered that the stone be rolled away. They heard him call out to the dead man, Lazarus, come out. And they were filled with amazement when the dead man came out of the tomb, his hands and feet and face still wrapped in strips of cloth. And some of them, some of the people who saw that happen didn't like what they saw. They didn't like this unauthorized miracle. And so they went and found the religious authorities and told them what they had seen. There in John 11, the gospel writer lets us know that it was their complaint that became the impetus for the leader's decision to find Jesus and arrest him and kill him. The news travels fast in a village like Bethany, so it didn't take long for Mary to know that they were looking for her Lord. Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem where the religious authorities waited to kill him, and Mary knew what would happen when he got there. Mary knew that Jesus had traded his life for her brothers, for his friends, and there is no gesture of gratitude worth too much to say thank you for a miracle like that. It was more than the perfume she anointed his feet, she wiped them with her hair, a gesture that brings her not only into physical contact with Jesus, but a spiritual connection, a deep abiding adoration. And for Mary, this wasn't only an act of thanksgiving, but also an act of preparation because she knew what Jesus had the power to do. She had seen him bring her brother back from the dead. She knew that when he got to Jerusalem, no matter what happened, it wouldn't be the end of God's story. She knew that the one who had power even over death itself was the one who would bring a new era to God's people, an age of new and unending life, life abundant. And so she kneels at his feet and anoints him for burial and for the kingship that awaits him in Jerusalem. She gives all she has to be even a small part of that chapter of God's story. For followers of Jesus, his death and resurrection are more than a symbol of hope. They are God's transformation coming into the world. They are the poor become rich the mournful filled with joy, the imprisoned set free, the dead brought back to life. In Christ, God has realigned the values of this world to conform them to the values of God's reign. And those who can see it, 
Those who, like Mary, know what Jesus is doing are the ones who see not only that it's possible, but that it happens even now. And those who can't see it or who won't see it, like Judas, understand that the poverty and the disease and the death are challenges too big to be overcome. For them, the economics of the problems we face are insurmountable, but for us, they are already overcome. You know the people and the groups in our community who have already gotten a glimpse of God's resurrection power. They are the ones we call crazy or foolish for giving up what they value for the sake of others, the ones who leave a lucrative career to take up the penniless job of justice. They're the ones who bring hope to the hopeless even when others laugh at them. They're the organizations who risk their reputation to champion the cause of the poor, those who live on the edge of survivability so that others might thrive. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's what it means to be the church. We are the Marys in this world, those who see in Jesus God's power already unfolding. We are the ones who bring to Jesus' feet all that we have so that we might be a part of that transformation. We call ourselves Christians because that's what we believe in our minds and our hearts. But do we believe it with our lives? Or is it just our lips that are speaking the words? What really matters to us? What is most important? Where do we spend our time and our treasure? What do we allow to capture our imaginations? To what do we give our confidence? In what do we place our hope? Come and fall at the feet of Jesus. And bring him everything you have, not because he wants your riches, but because in him all people are made rich. Live a life defined by Jesus' death and resurrection, not someday, but right now. Because the world can't wait for heaven. It needs transformation today. And because of Christ, the world doesn't have to wait. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.